The Clemson Tigers remain atop the ACC standings, but after an ugly performance in a loss to Boston College on Tuesday, they are looking more fraudulent than ever before. You are Locked On College Basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up? Welcome to the Locked On College Basketball Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, Andy Patton, and this episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of the Locked On Podcast Network. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. All right, thrilled to be joined today by Leaf Tulin of the Locked On NBA Big Board. We are going to discuss the ACC after the conference's number one team, the Clemson Tigers, fell on the road Tuesday afternoon or Tuesday evening against lowly Boston College. Uh, Leaf, I kind of wanted to get your thoughts on this Clemson team in general. We'll talk a little bit more broadly about the ACC and kind of what this means for them, but... Does this loss to Boston College really tell us anything more about Clemson than maybe what we already knew? Or is this kind of a situation where, hey, maybe they were good and and now they have kind of fallen off? Or or what's your take on this team, especially after this loss? Yeah, I I think we knew the reality of Clemson was that they were winning close games against Mm -hmm. not very good teams. Mm -hmm. And not to say that Boston College is a good team and and Mm -hmm. it ran out of luck, but uh, I, I think that this team was was kind of riding the record rather than the substance of what sure. has created that record. Um, I watched the tail end of that game, mm-hmm. and obviously, when you score that few of points, it, it's it's a bad offensive game. But it's nothing super novel for them. They they have gone through offensive woes. They've just played an easier schedule than the rest of the ACC. Mm-hmm. So, I, if you were to ask me um, the rankings for the ACC a mm-hmm. couple of weeks ago, like Isaac did, I would have mm-hmm. told you going to finish high but in terms of the quality of a team i would have told you clemson's about fifth or sixth yeah um, so this is nothing new uh i tweeted and i think we, we kind of laughed about this uh, over mm-hmm. twitter is i i tweeted clemson equals frauds because mm-hmm. a lot of people are saying well clemson could win the acc because they've got two games against the bottom dwellers and mm-hmm. that's entirely possible but that that said I like mm-hmm. to view it as a, a holistic view in terms of college basketball. How would I rank them to teams that I consider to be good teams? Mm-hmm. I, I don't think anyone in the ACC is going to be blowing the doors off people, even though Virginia is ranked very highly. Virginia right. is the best team in the ACC. And I would say Miami, Duke, and Carolina, which is no surprise, mm-hmm. are, the next, are the top four. And then Clemson and Pitt can fight out for five and six. Mm-hmm. And I just think you're seeing the lack of offense finally reach ahead where – Scouting has gotten uh, gotten better, and Clemson's really got to scrap so hard to score that it's hard to defensively subdue teams long enough. And Boston College is is not a good offensive team either. So mm-hmm. to lose that game is, I think, a signs for what's to come. Um, but it has been an impressive coaching job by Brad Brumell. Yeah, I, I think they've they've accomplished a lot with what they have, and what they have basically is Hunter Tyson. And not not a ton else. Uh, Cameron Hunter's a solid player as well. But you look at this Boston College game, and it's a really kind of encapsulates how much they are reliant on Tyson to get pretty much anything done. He had six of the team's sixteen field goals, four of their six three pointers, six of their sixteen made free throws, like twenty two of their fifty four points. Like he was a monster in this game. He was efficient. He was solid. But 
there's not anybody else on this team who's who's getting anything done. Two of their one of their starters had zero points. One of their starters had two points. Like they only had one other player in double figures, and that was uh, Cameron Hunter, who had twelve points, and he was four or fourteen from the field, zero of five from deep. So not exactly a productive performance from him. Like I look at this Clemson team, and and, and you're right. I, I see basically the same things that you're seeing. A team that got some some decent wins but mostly got close wins over average teams and and really I think their their spot and I, correct me if I'm wrong or, or let me know what you think on this but for me I'm looking at a team that their spot atop the standing says a lot more about the 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 traditional powers of the ACC like North Carolina like Duke like Virginia and Miami to an extent uh, it says more about them that they're not the teams atop the standings and Clemson is does that does that feel about right to you yeah I would say that the only reason that they have a chance to still finish top three is the mm-hmm. loaded schedule where they play mm-hmm. Louisville twice, where they play some of the, the worst teams twice. But I agree. Mm-hmm. I think that the headline this year was, man, Carolina returns absolutely everyone except for Brady Manick, and this team mm-hmm. should be better because they'll mature. And then they didn't live up to expectations. Right. Duke had all these talented freshmen and were a top mm-hmm. 10 team coming in haven't really shown what they can do, but they're starting to get better. Mm -hmm. Virginia, I think, has been what people expected, and they've had really good stretches, and they're in a pretty good stretch right now, and then have had a few stretches where you're like, okay, this is the the Virginia team that that was a good team that could win an ACC but isn't going to advance rather than being one of their championship contending teams. And I think that can still be true, but they're the Mm -hmm. class of ACC, but I wouldn't say it's the class of ACC. The ACC is just super proud of because in in – Past. Like in 2019, you had three number one seeds and like mm-hmm. you're, you had like eight teams in the top six of the seed lines. And when you look at Ken Palm, and, I, and I've told you this before, and mm-hmm. I say the same thing with Isaac, is I like to make the assessment of how good a team is with my eyes. And I like to check Ken mm-hmm. Palm just to mm-hmm. see, like, does it line up with, consistently with it? Well, Clemson's uh, 67th. They yeah. are 93rd on offense and 49th on defense. Mm-hmm. And if you look at those numbers and, and then you, you look at the record, those don't line up whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Just Not at all. Me competition mm-hmm. so like what's clemson a nine seed like mm-hmm. how the class of the acc be a nine mm-hmm. seed right so i i think eventually the the basketball product they put on the court shows up mm-hmm. and that yesterday was the first sign of that so mm-hmm. i think they end up being the fourth fourth seed in the acc mm-hmm. and and it's just because they started well and that's a credit you know winning games is is mm-hmm ugly and like sometimes we, we've talked about this virginia and st mary's they win mm-hmm. games in a, a relatively ugly fashion but they do right. so so consistently yeah. and within their fashion of basketball that i think it's it's something that you can replicate i don't think clemson can continue to replicate it the further into con- conference play yeah i'm with you 100 on that and, and looking at clemson right now their next four games they got miami at home they're at north carolina they got florida state at home and they got louisville at home so again not the most difficult schedule. You can see a, a almost certainly a win against Louisville there. You can see Florida State, obviously, a, a, an opportunity for a victory there, a team that could beat Clemson but is not going to be favored. And then you have Miami and North Carolina. And on the road at North Carolina, if Clemson pulls that off, we might be having a very different conversation. But I, I have a hard time believing that that's something they're capable of doing. So you're looking at maybe two and two in this stretch of games, pretty likely that they're one in three in this stretch of games, or at least it's possible they're one in three in that stretch of games. And then, you know, you know, that kind of changes the conversation pit. They also have to go on the road at North Carolina coming up. That's their next game, but they have Louisville, Florida state, Boston college. Are there three games after that? 
there's a pretty good chance they go three and one through that stretch of games right there. So I, I think you're looking at a situation where a couple weeks from now, the standings might end up looking a lot different in Virginia. They have a relatively soft schedule coming up as well. They got at Virginia tech, they got North Carolina state, not an easy game, but they are at home. They got Duke at home and then they're on the road at Louisville. So pretty good chance for a team that's absolutely rolling right now in Virginia that they win their next four games. If that's the case, Clemson's time atop the standings in the ACC might might be coming to an end very very soon. Yeah, I have the same read, and and mm-hmm. one thing one thing I think that I haven't asked yet mm-hmm. is if you were to look at Clemson's roster, mm-hmm. and, and it's not a, it's a credit to Brad Brumwell more yeah. than anything, but aside from the production you're going to get from maybe your three best players, mm-hmm. how do they how do they just stay pace with some of these ACC rosters, even if they're yeah. not playing well. Like, yeah. if they're if they're going to play Duke again, mm-hmm. uh, which I don't actually know if they would, but just just for the sake of example, mm-hmm. like, I don't see how you manufacture multiple wins against these type of teams that mm-hmm. just have guys that can score um, and multiple of them. Obviously, Duke is an exceptionally talented team, but right. even in cases like Virginia Tech has more scores, even though mm-hmm. they've been bad to start the year. Syracuse more scores. Um, I just think that they're playing with fire in the way yeah. that they play basketball. And at the end of the game, this is the best example. They tied the game up to 45, and mm-hmm. then we're hoisting threes, like no no pass possessions. Yeah. And it was like, man, well, the way we're going to keep pace here is we're going to have to score threes, and they were all not well-constructed possessions. And so mm-hmm. uh, I'd be – if I'm a Clemson fan, which I'm not, but mm-hmm. if I were, I'd be a little bit concerned that yeah. I'm my team's going to slip to bubble watch because mm-hmm. you've been a lock in the thing because you've been the top seed. Right. And now that you're not and you're going to run into some more difficult teams, I'd be a little bit concerned that this team, the way their roster is constructed, they're a bubble team. Yeah. Uh, and, and maybe that's even overachieving compared to where I saw them entering this season. Mm-hmm. Um, but, so I, I'd be pretty concerned if I'm a Clemson fan. All right, Leif, well, we have a pair of inconsistent but well-hyped NBA draft prospects to break down in Imani Bates and Jalen hood Shafino. But before we do that, today's episode of Locked On College Basketball is brought to you by FanDuel. The NFL playoffs are here, and we are so excited about our new sports betting partner for Locked On because they're the number one sports book in America. That's right, FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. New customers join today to get started with $150 in free bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Just sign up at FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel has all your favorite bets from the money line to point spreads to player props. Plus, you can even combine your pets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same game parlay. We'll have a few upset picks for you to consider later in the show. Take them or leave them. But either way, bet comfortably on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. So basketball fans, don't miss out. Place your first $5 bet to get $150 in free bets, win or lose, at FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL. All right, Leaf, we are talking about a couple of highly touted draft prospects. I know, obviously, that uh, with your position on a locked-on NBA big board, you're kind of paying attention to how these prospects are kind of panning out and and some inconsistencies for some of these guys. And uh, one of the games that I wanted to talk about that happened on Tuesday, we can kind of talk about it through the lens uh, of Indiana freshman Jalen Hood-Shafino because – he had a really, really bad game, and he'd been kind of getting some momentum, some hype uh, as a true freshman guard, uh, kind of starting to crop up more on draft boards, moving up in those spots because of his performance earlier in the month of January. And then against Maryland on Tuesday night, Hood Shafino comes out three points, one of 14 shooting, 
horrendous night from him. It kind of encapsulated some of the issues we've seen from Indiana all year long, where Trace Jackson Davis, he was awesome. 18 points, 20 rebounds, a monster performance from TJD, and he didn't have any help around him. And they end up getting 55 points. Again, 18 of them coming from Trace Jackson Davis, only three coming from Hood Shafino. So I'm kind of curious your thoughts on 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 Hood Shafino in general as a draft prospect, especially considering uh, some of the wild inconsistencies we've seen from him thus far uh, for the Hoosiers. I, I think the first thing from a college basketball perspective, he's their X factor. If yeah. he's playing well, Indiana's a really good team. If mm-hmm. he's not, they really struggle. And even though they were in this game with Mar- with Maryland, mm-hmm. it was clear that they weren't going to be able to sustain pace yeah. um, just playing through TJD. Like they had another mm-hmm. game kind of similar to this recently against Minnesota mm-hmm. where, where uh, Jalen Hutchifino struggled going two of 11 and J- Trace Jackson Davis willed them to victory against a poor mm-hmm. Minnesota team. The, my take from an NBA draft perspective on uh, Jalen Hutchifino is that the best thing that happened to his prospect was when um, Xavier Johnson got hurt and he got more time at the point guard and got more shots up because Xavier Johnson's still a scoring-oriented guard. Right. That said, it's putting a necessary burden on him to need to score, and mm-hmm. I think teams are now able to key in on him a little more. So you're going to have a game like against Ohio State where he goes 8 for 12, 6 of 9 from 3, and then they followed it by scoring 3 points mm-hmm. and 1 of 14. So I think he's having growing pains that all yeah. young players do that take prominent roles because, but I think in a, in a way you have to give him a little bit of leeway in the sense that he wasn't prepared mm-hmm. to, to have this role. And I think it's different than if you kind of groomed yourself into the role throughout the entire year. Mm-hmm. He's a guy that I think like if he were to come out, which I'm not certain he will, that he could go at the very end of the first round or he could mm-hmm. be an early second round pick and you, you kind of groom him to be a scorer off mm-hmm. the bench who has the capacity to run the point. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's someone that I've had my eye on a little bit entering the year because one of my friends went to Indiana and mm-hmm. we've, we've kind of been talking about him. And I said, well, if, you know, your team is projected to win the Big Ten. I'm not quite there yet. I, I thought Illinois would personally. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I kept telling him, I was like, if if Jalen hood Shafino can be a real threat to score 15 on most nights, mm-hmm. then you have a chance to be the best Indiana team you've had in plenty of years. And I think that's been consistent with what we've seen. And mm-hmm. can he facilitate an offense is something that I'd want to know as a, as an executive, if I were drafting, like am I drafting a point guard or a two guard that is not mm-hmm. extremely dynamic, but he's right. skilled. So it, th- there are questions, but I think he can answer them th- this final month entering the tournament because his role has now been defined. It's been solidified. And mm-hmm. now he's, he's going to have that time to grow into that role. Well, that kind of leads to another question I have that, that's related to, to both Imani Bates, who we're going to talk about, and Hood Shafina to an extent of when you're evaluating prospects and when you're evaluating college players in particular, like obviously a huge part of that conversation is, is evaluating what role they have on their college basketball team and how that may differ when they get into the NBA. And we see, I mean, we, we quite frankly, we see scouts, we see general managers, we see them make this mistake a lot where they draft a player who's maybe a high volume scorer and they try to put him into a role in the NBA where they're coming off the bench and they're, you know, they have to get hot in a hurry and they're a microwave scorer and, and guys don't always adjust to that. And, and so what I'm hearing here with Huchifino is that he's been thrust into a different role. It's maybe not a role he's going to have in the NBA. And so do you think that that kind of makes it almost more complicated when trying to evaluate him? Do you think staying back at school and maybe being in a situation where he gets a role that maybe more mirrors what he would do in the NBA would be helpful for him? Or is it just kind of a, hey, we're going to draft the talent and we're going to see if it fits? 
Well, it comes with risk, obviously. Mm-hmm. Like you, you, you could hurt your stock, but I think if he were to return to school, he's got mm-hmm. a higher chance to be a higher pick, right. a higher as in like better pick that rather mm-hmm. than numerically higher. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, I think there's a real argument if he were to leave this year, he'd be. You could have a team draft him at the tail end of the first round and say, mm-hmm. you know, what your role is going to be you're going to be a supplementary ball handler that sure. runs the second unit, and if you exceed that expectation, then you've got a chance to be that in the front uh, in the first rotation of, of players and mm-hmm. uh, i don't see him being an nba star but i but i do think he's a capable player that can impact winning at the nba level give a few years um if i were him i would return to school mm-hmm. uh, that said the only the only pause there is i doubt trace jackson davis would right. and so you don't know what that indiana team's going to be it would be his, his team mm-hmm. but it's hard to be the man and then have such an uh, such a burden and right. then have your game transition. Now he's the star of a team and now mm-hmm. he's thrust back to role player. So I actually did a podcast not too long ago, just a small shameless plug about <laughs> what type of, uh, what type of player from college turns out the best, the star the, the, mm-hmm. that is now going to be a role player, the role player that's going to be the same type of role player mm-hmm. or a guy that, you know, it doesn't play that much and turns into an NBA role player mm-hmm. based on certain traits. Right. And so I, I think he's a good example of those first two options of which one leads to the better chance of being a good role player. Mm-hmm. And it's a legitimate argument for him. Well, and I think of Andrew Nembhard, obviously, as a Gonzaga person. That's somebody who comes to mind. He was also a much older prospect, which is a significant difference. But Nembhard was drafted to basically play the same role he played at Gonzaga, and it has worked marvelously for the Indiana Pacers. So you can kind of see how that shakes out. And, and it kind of leads into – I know Imani Bates is not a point guard, obviously, but it kind of leads into the conversation about him because one of the big – challenges i think about identifying bates's nba draft situation right now obviously he was this really highly touted high school prospect which clearly kind of can cloud the judgment for for nba scouts even people who do this professionally it's hard to not remember (laughs) hey that guy was the best player in high school for like multiple years but now we're seeing a guy he's at a mid-major school he's at eastern michigan but he's at times absolutely dominant 29 consecutive points in a recent game for them. That is unbelievable. He finished with 43 in that game, an efficient 43 in that contest, a monster game from Imani Bates. But since then he's played two games since then. I think he's had 19 and 17 points, if I'm not mistaken, uh, something along those lines, but he's gone four of 16 from deep in those two games. So we're starting to see some, some inconsistency as you might expect from a guy who, who has, you know, the weight of this entire basketball program at center at Eastern Michigan on his back. When he gets into the NBA, especially because he's kind of mocked in that second round spot right now, he's not going to be handed a starting role as a small forward in a high usage rate. There's just no chance that that's going to happen. So how do you evaluate a player who right now is playing a role that is so dramatically different from the role he's likely going to have in the NBA? That's kind of a a, a difficult question I know for anybody to answer. If scouts had this down to a science, we wouldn't see a lot of bad draft picks, but occasionally we do. So I'm curious kind of your thoughts on, on Bates in general and kind of how how GMs and scouts and analysts are, are kind of dealing with him right now. Yeah, the, the first thing is that he's a very good shooter. Despite mm-hmm. shooting in, in recently four of 16, yeah. uh, I, I would say just watching him shoot, you can tell he's a very good shooter. Mm-hmm. He's shooting 36% from three on a mm-hmm. difficult three-point shooting. Like there, there's mm-hmm. a difference from 36% on catch and shoot. And then there is from shooting the shots he shoots. Right. And so I think if you were to simplify his role, his his shooting percentage gets better. Now the question is, can he defend? He's he's still very frail. He's still young. Like he's the age of an of an actual freshman mm-hmm. right now. So people are using like, oh, he's been in school for a mm-hmm. while, and like, and he's transferred as as not. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I would say that his Memphis experience helped him grow in the sense that he was played a role on that team and he Mm -hmm. he wasn't like used to it. And so he had growing pains, but the reason, and you'll know this as a Gonzaga fan, Mm -hmm. when he came into that game against Gonzaga, there Mm -hmm. was legitimate fear because Mm -hmm. they had the NBA caliber athletes right and some finesse for that he presented rather than just athletes right so i i think there's a legitimate role for him to just be a three and d guy needs to work on his defense and he needs to work on some attitude concerns Mm -hmm. not not in the sense that he's like a a toxic cancer and i don't want it to be misinterpreted that way it's just that when you when you've been given the ball your entire Mm -hmm. life on on and you're the you're the guy on all your teams and he Mm -hmm. he ran into this a little bit at memphis and now you're benched and now you transfer there's just a bad connotation and mm-hmm. i think now he's maturing so i, I would i would take depends the team so it, sure. i'll say this it depends the team but i would take a flyer on him in the in the very end of the first round because mm-hmm. if you, if you hit on that you get there are very few people that have the upside of a guy like amoni bates mm-hmm. and if you don't it's not the end of the world so if you, if that's your only pick maybe not the safest but mm-hmm. if you have a couple i i don't think that's a bad idea and i think at the second round, you're getting a solid value because you're getting a guy who's an NBA shooter already mm-hmm. who's tall. Like you don't get too many six nine NBA shooters that have had to shoulder the load he's shouldered. And so I, I think there's a worthwhile risk, uh, I mean, a worthwhile reward to to compensate for the risk that you're taking and taking a guy that has been in two different programs. He's transferred to a small school. Yep. I mean, he's, his shot selection's questionable, and all these things you can say. Mm-hmm. I think there's a, a an end that justifies the means. Well, Leaf, there are so many big games coming up this weekend. And for those of you out there who like to wager on upsets using FanDuel, you cannot miss our Upset Watch segment coming up. But first, today's episode of Locked On College Basketball is brought to you by Built Bar. If you're looking for a delicious treat, but you don't want all of the fat and calories, then you have got to try a Built Bar. We just got through the holidays, and I know my goal is to eat a little bit healthier this year. If you're like me where you want to eat healthier, but you don't want to compromise taste, then man, I've got just the thing for you. You've got to try Built. With Built, healthy is actually tasty. Seriously, they're so delicious, you won't even think they're good for you. They're perfect for your New Year's resolution. What makes Built Bars so good? Well, for starters, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. That is right, real chocolate. And they come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter, brownie, and coconut almond. I'm not sure how Built does it, but these bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros. They have only 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now you don't need to wait around to get a box. For years, we've been talking about ordering your Built Bars at Built.com. Now you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. That's right. Head to your nearest Walmart today, walk to the pharmacy section, and grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick up a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs at Walmarts or Sam's Club today. All right, Leaf, want to talk? My favorite segment of the week every week uh, is Upset Watch, taking a look at some high-profile games coming up over the weekend or later in the week uh, where we think that the underseeded team or the non-ranked team could potentially pull off an upset. Uh, and frankly, Leaf, I know we talked about this before we started recording, there weren't a lot of great options this week. There's a lot of teams that, oh, I thought, oh, maybe they're they're a little banged up. They might be a team that uh, that could fall, but they're at home or they're playing, a, you know, one of the worst teams in the conference. And so it's like, uh, I'm not sure I found uh, too many games that I wanted. And, and I know that you and I ended up agreeing on a handful of games. So I want to start uh, with the first game that I picked here, which was on February 4th, 11 a.m. Pacific time, 2 p.m. on the East Coast, uh, Oklahoma State against TCU. Uh, the big the big kind of hinge here in this game is, as of right now, as we're recording this on Wednesday morning, 
I don't know if Mike Miles is going to play for TCU. And that really kind of moves the needle in a significant way. We just saw TCU pull off a victory over West Virginia. It was not an easy one, not an easy victory over Bob Huggins' team. And they did that without Mike Miles, in part because they did return one of their big men, Eddie Lampkin. It was kind of a surprise that he was back on the floor for them, assuming he's healthy against Oklahoma State. That's going to help their cause. But OK State's one of the best defensive teams in the entire country. Seventh right now in Ken Palm. I taste... I test backs that up. This is a very good defensive team. They're at home. They're playing a TCU team that might be missing their best player, their starting point guard. It's pretty easy to see why this one might end up being an upset and a victory for Oklahoma State. Yeah, that's one I circled on my calendar as well. Mm -hmm. I think if Mike Miles does not play, it's going to be very difficult to manufacture points. I think Mm -hmm. Damian Ball is one of the most underrated players in the country. I absolutely love watching him play. Mm -hmm. Shahada Wells will really need to play well to Mm -hmm. give supplementary scoring. But the thing that you lack in Mike Miles is not only do you lose your top scorer, but you lose your top playmaker, someone who Mm -hmm. really provides a pressure on a defense and creates shots for guys like like, uh, Chuck O'Bannon and Emmanuel Mm -hmm. Miller, who both struggled without him, even though they were able to escape with the win against West Virginia. Um, That that said, Oklahoma State isn't a good offensive team, so I think TCU is going to be able to keep this close. I would not be shocked if they win. But playing in Stillwater – Musa Cisse defending the, the basket for mm-hmm. a team that can't shoot in TCU. Uh, I think this has upset uh, written on it as well. Mm-hmm. TCU, though, is as any of you who've listened to me, I really like their team. So mm-hmm. don't take this as, oh, they're pretenders. I think it's more of a testament to how good the Big 12 is. And mm-hmm. Oklahoma State's a solid team in their own right. Well, one more upset that I'm going to pick, and I know you got one that you want to close the show out with, Leaf. But we got to start we got to talk here about the potential for the number one team in the country because they have the Purdue to Purdue Boilermakers. Try that again. Uh, they have one of the toughest tests they're going to face all year long in the Big Ten. They are going on the road, Assembly Hall, Indiana Hoosiers, that game also on February 4th. Look, Purdue has has looked – they haven't looked indestructible. They had the loss to Rutgers. They've had a handful of close games. Uh, and you could make an argument that, oh, the Big Ten's kind of weak this year. And I, I would hear that argument. I think it's reasonable that the Big Ten is maybe not uh, as good as they have been in the past. But Purdue has, has put together a monster season. There's no debate about that. Matt Painter, absolutely fantastic work with the freshman guards, with, of course, Zach Eady, who looks like the very clear, clear front runner for National Player of the Year. But – Trace Jackson Davis has been incredible. Again, we just not talked about him in the second segment there. 18 points, 20 boards against Maryland. It's going to come down to Jalen hood Shafino. We know that. If he has a really monster game, if he uh, does what we know he's capable of doing, he could frustrate the other freshman guards at Purdue, put up some big numbers. I think there's a very reasonable chance that a packed madhouse in Indiana could frustrate Purdue enough to, to potentially pull off a victory. Having said that, Somebody's got to guard Zach Eady. That's not going to be easy. If Hood Shafino puts up three points on one of 14 shooting like he did against Maryland, there's probably very, very little chance that Indiana wins that one. Uh, but ultimately, I think that uh, Indiana's going to they're going to come in pissed off. They're going to be upset about this loss to Maryland. They're going to be at home. And I think there's a reasonable chance that uh, that they put together a victory against Purdue and the number one team in the country. Yeah, I think the fact that they lost to Maryland and and, and mm-hmm. disrupted their rhythm of winning is actually yeah. a, a huge advantage in this game because mm-hmm. they'll have be able to reevaluate. Okay, how do we go about this? Obviously, the main priority is defending Edie. How do they do that? Mm-hmm. How do they do that without getting Trace Jackson Davis in foul trouble? Because Zach Edie draws fouls and at, at yeah. an enormous rate. But I don't think you're going to sacrifice and go like, hey, we're going to go big. Like I don't think mm-hmm. you put a six six Race Thompson on him. 
I, I don't think you put a freshman Malik Renew on him. Right. So that's the question. And then it's whose guards can provide the supplementary scoring for a guy mm-hmm. like Trace Jackson Davis or Zach Eady, and mm-hmm. whose guards score more is going to win this game. So I agree. Uh, upset watch, would, would I bet on it? Not certain, but I certainly have my eye on it. Mm-hmm. My last one is a mid-major one and teams that people kind of – both prognosticate would be good, and then one that's emerged, and that's FAU and UAB. I think UAB's got the recipe to have a chance to upset the FAU, who's been ranked mm-hmm. for the past week, um, and I guess now two weeks. Yep. And I, I think that their guards always give them a chance. The fact that it's being played in Alabama gives them even a better chance. Do I – again, is my confidence level through the roof? I think sometimes Andy and I have ones where we're, where we're like, okay, this is, this is the right team. And, and yep. a few weeks ago we went four for four as a show. So that was, that was fun. Mm-hmm. But I, I can't say I've, I'm that confident this time. But mm-hmm. I would say anytime you got the two best guards on the floor, you're playing at yep. home and you're, and you're the underdog, um, and you're probably a mid-major March Madness type of team, mm-hmm. it's worth a shot. So that's one I'd, I'd advise to, to take a look at, even if you play the spread rather than mm-hmm. rather than full-out money line upset. But Jelly Walker, um, that, that's a guy to watch, and Gaines is pretty good too. And so mm-hmm. watch out for the UAB squad. All right, that is going to do it for us today. Thanks to Leaf, as always, for coming on the show. Don't forget, as a listener, to subscribe on YouTube if you haven't done so yet. Leave us a review on iTunes. You can find the podcast wherever you already get podcasts. All right, thank you all for listening. And for now, peace out.